Hey, and welcome to the latest issue of the Three Old Geeks Podcast. I am joined by the owner-proprietors of various dojos from Kung Fu Street. First of all, the contrarian, the ruinator, the keeper of the inner sanctum, and the numbers guy, Keith of Keith's Comics. Keith, how are you? Don't laugh at the master of quack food, okay? Yeah, quack food. Yeah, yeah that's... <laughs> I said, don't laugh. What is don't laugh. laugh. Don't laugh at him. This is going to be the best episode ever. They all are. They we, all we are. We are just, we're finding our stride on 120. <laughs> and of you, course, the man who's always wrong with a hole in his collection. <laughs> the dirty old geek, the pictures guy, and the cloud prince of collecting. Brian needs one. Brian, how are you? I forgot my intro line. Oh, this is just... <laughs> I forgot it. You know what? When I had it, I thought I should write this down. And then I went, nah, I'm good. (laughs) Welcome to another episode. And I, of course, the uh, long-suffering, long, long long-suffering world's oldest kid sidekick. I am the words guy. My name is Lance. And uh, I got to say it. What do you think? This is the army where you shoot them a mile away? No, you gotta get up close and bada bing, blow their brains off of your nice lovely league suit. Tom, he's taking this personal. This is business, and he's taking this personal. And this one's for Jimmy Khan. And welcome to another issue. Brian, do you have uh do you have news for us this week? I do. Uh Thor Love and Thunder opened. I haven't seen it yet, but it's causing a great deal of confusion among the fandom. Especially with the ending scene. I don't know what it is. Those who've seen it already do. It has... Keith, have you seen it? Yes, the ending scene. I'm trying to figure out what's confusing about the ending scene. I don't know yet. Okay, awesome. I don't know because I didn't look. Because I didn't want to see the fucking ending scene before okay. I saw the movie. So That's a smart way to play it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that'd be good. Unless you're watching Memento, then you're watching... No, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But it does have the uh, third lowest Metacritic score. Really? Uh, yeah, just just above uh, Thor: Dark World. Wow! And tied with Incredible Hulk. Where's wow. the Eternals come in? Because they how can they not be the lowest? The Eternals was not good. I know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. How? Yeah. How is that not the lowest? I. It could be. You just said tied for the third. It's tied with Incredible Hulk. And then uh, just over Dark okay. World, but so I didn't give the Eternals number. Pro- okay. Yeah. So that's how that math works, numbers guy. <laughs> For the love of God, just. But uh, we had some unfortunate uh, passings this week, and I-, I wanted to make sure that I covered them. Is that excluding this podcast? <laughs> the first being uh, Bradford Freeman. Who is Bradford Freeman, you must ask? He was the last surviving member of Easy Company. Yep. And he passed this week. So, uh, we are losing them. We have lost most of them. But if you have not seen... Uh, Band of Brothers? Band of Brothers. Uh, take some time to watch that. Uh, and you'll see why they call him the greatest generation. This one uh, is more for Lance and I. Uh, and that's Manny Charlton. Nazareth guitarist passed this week. 
And of course, the biggie for all of us is uh, Jimmy Kahn, who uh, well entertained us for years and years and years and years, and will be sorely missed. A guy who could play Sonny Corleone and be so murderously vicious and, and mean and stuff like that, and then he's like the dad in yeah in Elf, you know. He Brian, uh, uh, Brian P- uh, Piccolo. Yeah, he was Brian, Brian Piccolo yeah, in yeah. one of my favorite movies. Yeah. He's a legend who I never thought uh, got the due that he deserved. I, I just... He got it at the Playboy Grotto. So it's okay. Yeah, he did get it at the Playboy Grotto. But he was... Uh, he should have been... Uh, We're getting that from you? Really? <laughs> Talking about it? Oh, Jesus Christ. This this is just gonna... This episode's just not gonna be good. I can tell right now. What did I say at the beginning? I said, worst episode ever, right? We're shooting for it. <laughs> All right, so for this week's edition of the world-famous Three Old Geeks Top 3 list, gentlemen, with 15 minutes on the timer, who are your top three anthropomorphic characters, so animals with human qualities, in any media? And go! Okay, so uh, I am going with uh, cartoons. Okay. No. I dare you. I dare you. Okay, so my I did, I my did. my number three. I'm gonna Lance. Oh my god. Uh-oh. Yes. So the first, in the secret compartment of his ring, he fills with a. Yeah. I fucking hate you. Oh no! Wait. Shoeshine boy. No, it, it, the secret underdog. compartment of my ring. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm talking Mighty Mouse. That's not. That's his not. Clothes. That's not him. But you know what? It's funny because I thought of. In the secret compartment of my ring, I fill, and then I went, Mighty Mouse. <laughs> but now that I've said the whole line in my head. Uh, Say I the whole wrong. line because I forgot the back half of it. Well, we will in a minute. Uh, anyway, Mighty Mouse and uh, Felix the Cat. With his, uh, with the fucking bag that he could pull anything out of. I Both of those, when I was a kid, I abso- absolutely loved. Felix the Cat, I'm still a big fan of. Uh, Mighty Mouse has not been around for a while, but I did like. Um, took some time off. He took some time off. He has not been around for a while, but it's those two definitely. characters uh, from my youth. Uh, Boy, talk about some esoteric ones, man! Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm esoteric. That's what people. That's how people describe me sometimes. No. No. No one does. <laughs> no one does. Okay. First of all, I thought I thought we were, I thought the anthropomorphic or whatever the fellow is was animal people with animal qualities. I was gonna go with him, but <laughs> <laughs> instead I uh, resemble that remark. Not, <laughs> oh my god, that hurts. Uh, oh god, I I, I, I am Doctor Riching my, okay. my number three, just because again it's a show that. Probably no one I'll ever think of. It's the entire banana splits. <gasps> oh. So, are you talking about the live banana action banana, banana splits banana. gang, or are you talking about every cartoon that appeared with all the different Hanna Barbera anthropomorphic cartoons? I'm talking the show. The, okay. The, big, the furries. The, yeah, I, I loved it. One banana, Flegel, two banana. I Bingo, Flegel, Drooper, and Snorky. There oh, you go. Look at him. Woo! Wow. Let's give a. Yeah! Uh, the punk, the Washington D.C. Uh, punk band, the Dickies, did a cover 
of the Banana Splits theme song, yes. which is on my permanent playlist. Yeah, I've actually heard that and love it. Yeah. Okay. So all right, well, I am trying to draw mine from, again, across all genres. Oh, Excellent. look at this. So this one is technically, is technically a film star, but I actually got my first exposure to him on Saturday morning cartoons because I replayed the old the old Warner Brothers shorts on oh, the shit. Bugs Bunny show. Uh-huh. And my favorite is, of course, a couple of nice boys you are, but... Uh, yeah, shop is a bag of wet mice. I say, I say. I say that. Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah. Absolutely, like, like, it was like, he bro- kind of broke, like, I, I, it was like, oh, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. And then I would like, oh my God, it's a, it's a Foghorn Leghorn one. I look forward to those when they'd show those. Yeah, with the chicken. The little chicken. And the little brainy kid. Yeah. Oh my God, those were great. I yeah, I did. Nice gal, but she's like the highway between Dallas and Fort Worth. No curves. <laughs> and the one-liners, the one-liners were awesome. Ah, uh, say, I'm going to Doctor Rich. My number two. Son of a bitch. I am. I am going to go with uh, just the movie. It was a Mick Jagger vehicle. Rock and roll. Uh, Bakshi. Yeah. I don't think it was Bakshi. Yeah, it was Bakshi. Was that Bakshi? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was Bakshi. First of all, I love that movie. Uh, secondly, that I'm changed the way f- I drew. Uh, I just love those characters. Absolutely love those characters. I'm trying to think. I've seen that one before. Mick Jagger. Oh yeah, where he falls for the little hottie, and then the, they have to rock and roll it. Okay, I definitely haven't seen that one. <laughs> oh well, we've got to watch it then. We got to watch if we're gonna do Bakshi, We got to watch Wizards before we're gonna watch anything else. I've seen them both, but you haven't seen Rock and Roll. I haven't seen Rock and Roll. Okay, well there you go then. I didn't know that was Bakshi. I'm still a little bit surprised by that, but Rock and Roll would be my number two. <clears throat> wow. I'm going to lance my number two. A lot of Lansing going on here. Uh, yeah. It's, well, there's a lot of, lot of, our whole childhood was full of these things, so. My, my two have a common theme. It's, uh, the, the animal is mentored or instructed by a human. Okay. Uh, it's going to be Tennessee Tuxedo. Oh. And Tudor Turtle. Who. Drizzle, 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 drum. Time for this one to come home. Mr. Wizard, I don't want to be a comic shop owner anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could have said podcaster, but it may end up like that. You, if you would, have, if you would have said podcaster, you would have stole my line. Um, uh, so I, I, I liked them because they you actually learned things. Yes, because they sent uh, Tudor Turtle. They sent back in time. Yes, and, he, and then learned jobs, and and then Tennessee Tuxedo would go to Mister Whoopi with the three D BB, yeah. and he would explain like engineering to yes. you. It was really, I was, I always thought that was really cool. I, oh yes, I remember. I kept you in the closet, yeah. <laughs> and they would pull out the thing, and the whole closet would fall yeah. on. Them. So good stuff. All right, well, I'm going to move to comics for my number two. Oh man, and uh, and go with uh, I'm going to. Do a Doctor Rich because it's an entire super team. Well, I know what. What? I know what it is. Captain Carrot and his amazing Amazing zoo zoo crew. So you got Captain Carrot. You've got uh, 
uh, Yankee Poodle, Fastback, yeah. Rubber Duck, Pig Iron. Uh, the the little shrinky guy was the mouse was Little Cheese. And it was basically, and then they actually met the JLA, the Just a Lot of Animals, with Batmouse, Wonder Wabbit, and Super Squirrel. And then they had the entire lineup, and the best was Hawk Moose. <laughs> but uh, I've just, it was Scotty Shaw, I remember that was Scotty Shaw. Shaw. Yeah. I've been a fan ever since I, like when they originally came out, I've got a complete run of them, loved them, and uh and they've actually brought Captain Carrot back. Yeah, like I, they did, like the grim and gritty kind of like. Yeah. Didn't they do a crisis? Just running? now, yeah, Justice yeah. League uh, Infinity. He was in that. He was on that team. Which, okay. So I am going to correct a few things on Rock and Roll. One, it is not Mick Jagger. The character of Mock was Mick Jagger esque, but Mick Jagger wasn't in it, unfortunately. Okay. okay. And it was not Ralph Bakshi. It was not Bakshi. Uh, no, Don- Anna. Really. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, so for my number one, and this will be my number one till my dying day. It's been my number one pretty much my entire life. And that is Disney's Robin Hood. Oh. The Fox. Absolutely love that movie. One of the first Disney movies. movies, Only Disney movies that I like. Ah. And uh, we've discussed it before, but there's a stunning lack of, of shooting people with arrows in that. Yes. Robin Hood was dashing and brave. Maid Marian was a fox. Uh, <laughs> Little John was a, was blue was bear. bear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which they always did big bears. Uh, but uh, I loved that um, that movie as a kid and uh, still to this day. Wow. So Robin Hood, my number one. I can't disagree with that. It's awesome. Uh, my number one, as I wrote it down someone else stole it but didn't <laughs> is Shoeshine Boy and Underdog. And the secret compartment of my ring I fill with an Underdog secret vitamin, uh, vitamin pill. Energy, Energy pill. pill. Energy pill. But I think they did change it to vitamin. I Later. Think, yeah. La- yeah, like. Later. Because Energy Pill indicated it was a drug. Yes. <laughs> not, unlike, uh, not unlike pill, which just indicates it's a drug. Yes, <laughs> but not like a white cross. <laughs> <sighs> well, that was a super energy pill. Yeah. Deflated the whole room. <laughs> <laughs> what is your number one land? Well, Wait, I was, was going to actually make a, co- make a comment that Underdog had one of the better rogues galleries. Simon Bar Sinister. Simon Bar Sinister. And what was the uh, the gangster wolf? Uh, oh. was it's your favorite. Come on. It was Underdog, not the wolf guy. Uh, wasn't it Paul? Riff Raff. Riff? It was Riff Raff. Riff Raff. Yeah. Riff Raff, yeah. Oh. Uh, he was the gang boss. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Polly Purebred. Sweet wasn't Polly it? Purebred. Yeah. Girlfriend. Sweet Polly Purebred. Oh, she was. She got captured all oh, the time. Oh, she was. She ended up on a lot of railroad tracks. <laughs> all he has to do is is use oh, his, his innuendo yeah. voice oh, and it just yeah. ruins a childhood memory. It does every Dirty time. Dirty girl. I know. Today we could have the lot lizard. That bitch wasn't in the heat. (laughs) Got up early. Got up early for this. Got up early to finish that movie because we had to review it. Yep. (laughs) All right, well, Keith, you made a... uh, You made a a unbeknownst reference to my number one from television. Uh Uh-oh. I thought it would be everyone's number one. It was a little hanging fruit, so I left it off. Uh, You've often said that you you have to say your favorite. You have to be honest with yourself. 
absolute number one anthropomorphic character from my childhood who I still love to this day in every oh, incarnation yeah. with ex the exception of the Scrappy Doo days, Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. Yep. And it was more because I liked the monsters and the, the villains of the week and stuff like that. I love the um, special guests. I always love the special guests. We've had this conversation before. The one with Sandy Duncan is not good. It's Sandy Duncan. It's not good. I hated that. The only thing that was worse than that was Scrappy Doo. The guest stars. Scrappy just Doo was terrible, but then they had Batman on. Well, I know, and and Batman and Robin, the guest starring roles on Batman and Robin, on on Scooby Doo, and the guest starring roles of Superman and Wonder Woman on the Brady Kids got us super front. Yeah. All right, we have thirteen seconds. No, no, we actually have three and a half minutes Jesus, for the new zoo review. Did you guys ever see that? That's what I was going <coughs> to make that comment when he said Captain Carrot. Like it's not the new zoo review coming the right new at zoo you. Review. New uh, zoo review coming right at you. Yeah, with uh, hippies, people who smoke pot were the the, the hip, was it a puppet? The, was that a puppet the, show? No, no. Or was it a cartoon? It was a live action uh, kid show. Fe female hippopotamus. Uh, there was the toad, which yeah. I don't know. It was non-binary. Uh, the Wise Old Owl. <laughs> I do not remember this at all. So this one had been pre... Oh, wow. Youngster. That was one of my favorites as a, as a small child was New Zoo Review. Wow. Everything went right out of my head. And I was thinking about them as you guys were talking about them. Um, I'm surprised uh, with uh, Keith. What did I do? Um, I'm surprised you didn't say Spider-Ham. Okay. Peter Porker? Peter Porker? Amazing Spider-Ham? No. I thought that they did him really well in the new um, in the new Spider-Man movie. Thor Frog now is, on the other hand... Throg. 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 He was just Thor Frog at this point. But yeah, he became Throg. Can't pick up the hammer. He's worthy. Uh, the new Jurassic League is kind of fun. Stupid. It's kind <laughs> of fun. Kind of stupid. Okay. In a fun kind of way. Really good one, Yusagi Yojimbo. Oh, yeah, Stan Sakai. Yeah, no? that's okay. that's some good stuff. Man. Okay, so I thought he was gonna shoot. No, down that's and... one where I'm sorry I didn't think of that okay. one because yeah. that's like that's like cute animals having deadly serious yeah, like samurai exactly. fights. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, watership down. <laughs> fuck, you want to get dark? Ooh, yeah. My brother and I to this day still talk about we were traumatized as kids by that movie. No shit. You walked into no that one shit. thinking that was going to be a Disney classic, and damn, that was not a Disney movie. No, but you know what? In all the Disney films, you know what? You could throw out those early uh, 70s, uh, The Rescuers, and... Um, oh, I love Oliver and Company. Oliver and Company. Uh, Fievel from... Uh, Fievel Goes West. Yeah, I didn't need him going west. Just the first one. What do you got, Brandon? I see you. Oh, oh, no, I was oh. just listening. Okay, I see. Ah. Um, You're the one. He's the one listening. Don Bluth, The Secret of Nim. Oh, that's a good one. That's another one that if you were expecting a Disney movie, that got a little dark. Yeah, and if you really want to get dark, uh, We Three. Frank Quitely. Oh, the comic? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not so much anthropomorphic animals as animals whose intelligence has been expanded, but well, still. Yeah. You have uh, Animosity, which was a comic where all the... Uh, Animal stud be able to talk to people. Oh, it was actually really good. Um, Rocket Raccoon, anybody? No, eh. 
No, you know what? I from like the movies, the movie. I, like I like him. him yeah, movie. I like him in the movies. I like him quite a bit. And I thought yeah. in the first movie they did a really wonderful job with him when he was when yeah. he's changing. Yeah. And uh, eh. Star Lord's. Uh, wow. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. Tough crowd. Whoa. And I need that guy's leg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kidding, but you did it. Uh, all right, that's our top three anthropomorphic characters. Let us know what yours are. All right, so for the worst movie ever this week, we are, uh, first of all, going to refer you back to uh, issue 98 of the podcast for number 41 on the list, because that is the awfully wonderful Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. We had a good time doing that. So we are uh, uh, we are jumping ahead to number 40 on the list, and that is 1986's Howard the Duck. Directed by Willard Hook or Hike, written by Hike and Gloria Katz, and starring Leah Thompson, Jeffrey Jones, Tim Robbins. And this brings the, I don't know about beloved, but uh, popular Marvel character created by Steve Englehart. First Marvel movie. First Marvel movie. Um, this is the, I, the thing that jumped out at me is that they gave him a creator credit on this. Gerber, yeah. Steve Gerber, I'm sorry, it was, just, it was Gerber. Steve Gerber, they gave, you know, the, based on the Marvel character yeah. created by Steve Gerber, so that's the, I, this had to be the first time that they ever did that. After watching the movie, you can see why. No. Did they do that for uh, Superman? Superman? Okay. That was Neil Adams. That's right, you yeah, had mentioned yeah, that before. Yeah. Neil Adams yeah. pushed for that, so that's what that started. So what, it was 78? 78, yep. So, wow, the first Marvel movie, and they've come so far. Have they don't <laughs> actually no they really have no. <laughs> in my opinion anyways this movie so was not good wasn't giant kaiju but you know yeah um they did have a kaiju in it though. Yeah. they did have a kaiju <laughs> see the formula has <laughs> lasted has been around since the 80s and this kaiju this. was better than half the kaiju that they've shown uh, uh okay so this may be an unpopular opinion you love, I love this movie I, I absolutely. I own the movie. movie. I, fuck your ball. I own the movie. I think I own it too. Do I you? might have owned it and sold it, but but I sold discs. So no. Well, I didn't. My wife did. God damn. I, I, I tried to enjoy this on a bad level. I just couldn't. What? Uh, there's things about this movie that I so absolutely love. Uh, let's start with Leah Thompson. Uh, I was just gonna say. Well, let's okay. get no, no. I am. I, you know what? I'm a huge Leah Thompson fan anyway. Just and have always been from all her movies. I was just looking through her filmography and I've seen everything. There's a reason why she has been such a successful actress and she has been. She's wonderful. She's, uh, she's got that, ah, you know what I, she's great in this. Secondly, uh, Jeffrey Jones. Okay. Despite, uh, the, the bad things, but, uh, was brilliant as the Dark Overlord. The effects that they used were so cool. I was going to say, this had, like, Ghostbusters level, yes. late 80s, the beginnings of digital. It had it had uh, stop-motion animation. The monster at the end was stop-motion. I thought that was pretty good. They did a good mix of stop-motion and, and practical and stuff like that. And, yes, Jeffrey Jones, if I'm, if I'm finding the... The the, the 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 shard of light in a gloomy day, Jeffrey Jones was absolutely perfect in this. Yes. 
Like, he could have been a bad guy in anything mm-hmm. with, with this character or whatever. Originally, George Lucas wanted to make this after American Graffiti. He really? Loved the, he loved the character. Yeah, he loved the character. He unfortunately ran into a wrinkle with Star Wars. Oh. Which, yeah, bad wrinkle. Uh, Good problem to have. Yes. Uh. The original script was much, much different. They, uh, He actually was going to be a, Howard the Duck was going to be a private eye in Hawaii. Already established. Oh, okay. And so they weren't going to, but the studio forced them to make it an origin story. So they had to go back to the drawing board. It was also uh, supposed to be animated. Okay, I would have had an easy... Not to... Okay, and I should start off by saying the practical effects of Howard the Duck were uh, uh, were amazing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I think it was probably a combination of a guy in a suit and and a puppet yeah. and, you know... Uh, no puppet. Guy in a suit... Because, yeah. And they had the, the, the guys with the wires moving. Yeah, his with mouth. the wires moving, his moving mouth. in his mouth. Uh, yeah, because they, they, the, the puppet didn't work. They they were going to do a puppet. It was originally supposed to be CGI, but it was too crude, and so they couldn't get it to do what it wanted to. So then they had to go with the with the live action suit, uh, and they wanted a puppet that didn't work. Then they went with the suit, which was hard. Well, yeah, because whenever you whenever I paused it, like on Amazon, it gives like four or five credits for different people playing Howard the Duck. Yes, so yeah. I'm sure it was the puppeteers and the guys in the suits and stuff like that. The tone of the movie, to me, was... It was all over the place. Well, for Sesame Street, a look he had to have all the sexuality. Yes. That plus... Surprisingly. Yeah, yeah. You have, like, you know, so it's, it's supposed to be sort of semi-adult because they, you know, they had, you know, obviously there was all this, these sexual references they showed. I mean, obviously it's a, a duck or whatever, but they showed a naked duck at the in the opening two. sequence. Two. You get two. You two. get the, the playbill centerfold. And the, and play the, duck. Ma- the tub girl. And then the, and tub, the tub girl, girl singing. Tub duck, sorry. Tub duck. Uh, and then you had the, the ducky rubber. You're so fun. I'm oh, sorry. You <laughs> Sex time so much fun. Okay, you have that. Ducky rubber. <laughs> Told you, Bacon. You have this, and then you have all these terrible, and I'm sure Keith laughed at every single one of them, all these terrible, what? like, duck puns. Yes. And, and, and. You know what? I thought they could have come up with a better name than Breeders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quack foo. Quack Fu. That Quack was Fu. from the comic. Because yeah. around the time Master of Kung Fu was out, so he was the master of Quack Fu. That was from the comic. You know what? They what, didn't have Dr. Wong okay, in there. What they, what they, um, what I thought that they missed was, um, kind of the edge the comic had. Yeah, that, that okay, so it, that, that was the thing. It was like, it well, was, was it was trying to tiptoe yeah. the line between the edgy comic book from the 70s that everybody liked or whatever, and, like, being a family movie. Yes. Yeah. Which they kind of had to, because the movie was going to run into the same problem that the comic book ran into, which is that the comparison would be drawn to Donald Duck. Yeah. So if you put out Howard the Duck, it can't be... I mean, I'll admit the, the Leah Thompson scene, that, that whole thing uh, was... 
pretty racy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a little bit. I mean, if you were a 10-year-old kid going, oh, I got to see Donna. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, you just went, oh, my God, I went through puberty. Which uh, I thought it was fun. They had Tim Robbins try to talk to him in Donald yes. talk. Yes. Great cast, but it, it missed that edge. It didn't have that edge. And I think part of that was uh, in the rewrite that they had to do. I think probably the original script would have been much... Um, probably closer to the comic and yes. stuff like that, which was, you know, again, a parody of kind of hard-boiled, you know... He wanted him to be that detective, and he wanted him to, to be a little more harder-edged. This one, they played a lot for laughs. I still think uh, the script was good. I thought the acting was good. I thought the effects were good. I thought Howard, though uh, not as um, fun as in the comic... No, he uh, still was well done. Tim Robbins was so over the top in this; it bugged me. Yes, yes, that bugged me too. Um, especially since the other, the other actors were—they're playing it straight. They're playing it straight, but not uh, not with a serious tone. He just went, yeah. He just went over. Yeah, he was chewing the scenery a little bit. Yeah, a lot. There was a, a lot of hammery going, a lot of ham and eggs. <laughs> Keith, you're not laughing. Because I didn't get to say it. No, I'm sorry. Oh. Every now and again, I get one. That's Howard's uh, ba- baby pictures. I did like the line uh, if, if, on my planet, they say if God meant us to fly, he wouldn't have taken away our wings. I yes. thought that was a brilliant line. Uh, <clears throat> and I thought that the. the Jeffrey Jones scene where he talks about the annihilation of the plan. They're all, everything's going wild and they're fighting with Howard the Duck and he goes, they took my eggs. <laughs> I thought that was great. That one hit me. Uh, let's just throw, uh, Leah Thompson learned to play guitar for the movie. Uh, did all her songs. own singing. Yep. Thomas Dolby wrote the music. I really liked the first song. The first song they did. Yes. I had that fucking Howard the Duck song stuck in my head for a fucking day at the end. Yeah, uh, and that was all Leah Thompson, man. She's just jamming on it. The rest of the actresses of the band, including Holly Robinson-Pete, who at that point was just Holly Robinson. And I don't know if this was before or after 21 Jump Street, but the other three were handpicked by Thomas Dolby for their musicianship, which tells you something. Um, Probably why they didn't have a lot of lines in the movie. Could be. Yeah, because they didn't. No. Um, and then Ginger sounding just so much like Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah, no. <laughs> was uh, was frightening because I was like, is Bobcat in this? Because at some points I was listening and not yeah. watching because I've seen the movie Who a number of times. Who does that? Yeah. Who does that? I was Keith in it. I, I think that this really is uh, a great little film. I think um, I think it's complete. I think that, that uh, it's gotten a bad reputation undeservedly. Best thing about the film is we got Pixar because of it. Yes. There would be no Pixar if it wasn't for Howard the Duck. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, George Lucas had overextended himself. Um, Skywalker Ranch, right? Skywalker Ranch. Uh, and there were some other things that he expanded on, too. Yeah. After... Well, ILM, he was building that Yes. Up. And, and so he had to sell the CGI. Yeah, that... the graphics, something. Yeah, right. and he sold it to Steve Jobs, and re- they renamed it Pixar. Yeah. And uh, thank you for that. No Toy Story without Howard the without Duck. Without Howard the Duck, there is no Buzz Lightyear. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> of the new movie. 
You see how I was keeping it topical? You are. I was, yeah, I'm topical like that shit because I, I make those connections. Make the connections. That's what makes this show so good. No, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> so, gentlemen, on the B-movie scale, how do we rate Howard the Duck? I give it a four and a half. I give it a four and a half because of Leah Thompson. I don't give a fuck about nothing else. No, a four and a half. I, 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 again, I think that the practical effects are great. I think the effects that they did were great. I think the acting is great. I do admit Tim Robbins uh, went a little overboard. Yeah, little, uh, no, a lot. Little, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you can cut him out and the movie's better. Um, but Jeffrey Jones was great. Jeffrey Jones was great. Leah Thompson was great. All the little people in the 12-year-old in the suit were great. The 12-year-old in the suit, which she refused to allow to film that scene. The bedroom scene. Ducky scene. I would hope so. Keith, what do you rate this? <laughs> he was ready to do it. He'd have manned up. <laughs> really quick. Uh, and got the job in Spaceballs because Mel, uh, Mel Brooks said anybody who's in Howard the Duck can be in Spaceballs. And he got that job in Spaceballs because of that. Who played the little, uh, what were the little Ewok thingies that they had? Jawas? The Jawas, yeah. The Dinks. 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 Oh, that's right. Yeah, the Dinks. Dinks. Uh, he was the Dink in, in Spaceballs because he was in Howard the Duck. Look at all the fun facts you Robin know. Williams uh, was the original voice for Howard. Be, yep. And quit after a week. That would have completely changed the movie. Yeah, and who was the director? Hayek? Uh, Hayek? No. Will, uh, Willard Hayek. No, the one oh. that they... Oh shit! I What's forgot. his fucking name? I could John Landis. John Landis was yeah. the was originally picked Again, to be the director. Would have completely changed the entire. Yes, and that George Lucas has said that has been the biggest regret of his career, was uh, not sticking out for uh, him in that movie because it would have been a completely different movie. And as uh, Keith pointed out, Sam Raimi would have been another phenomenal yeah. choice for that. <laughs> uh, and I would love to see. Uh, the, the Sam Raimi version of Howard the fucking duck now that just oh, keeps running man. through my the brain the multiverse of Howard the duck the multiverse come on Marvel get on there damn it yeah uh, redo that movie with Sam Raimi just, just, do, just do and like bring back Leah Thompson the what ifs yeah. she's 61 she's still got it going on alright so Keith <laughs> what do you got going on for this movie <laughs> stalling <laughs> I give it I will agree four and a half bees I don't know, Bills or what? What are we, what are we doing? What, this bees. Is, this is, okay. Yeah, we're doing Bees. All right, so this, um, this is going to be the biggest, I think. This wasn't a B-movie, though. This was this a big, bad budget. Bad, B for bad. Oh. Is that what it is? That's what this one is. Because oh. I wasn't going to let you idiots or call Bill it the, the Woody. Like you first suggested. Anyways, <laughs> the tale of two movies, great special effects. Different kind of movie. Great budget. <laughs> Uh, Jeffrey Jones was awesome. Leah Thompson, awesome. Everything else about the movie totally sucked. That being said, I'll split. I'll split it right down the middle. A two and a half B movie. Okay. That was Howard the Duck. Uh, your mileage may vary. Give it a watch. Let us know what you think. All right. So for this edition of Sunday Afternoon Kung Fu Theater, we watched 2008. Ip Man, directed by Wilson Yip, written by Edmund Wong and Chen Tai Lee, and starring the fantastic Donnie, uh, Donnie Yen, also Simon Yam, Lin Hung, Gordon Lam, Fan Su Wong, Zing Yu, Chen Zihui, 
And then the two Japanese guys were Hiroyuki Ikuchi and Tenma Shibuya. And so you've got uh, the legendary Ip Man, the master of Wing Chun, the uh, Sifu of Bruce Lee in both pre- and post-occupational China uh, when, uh, during World War II. And uh, this is the tale of two movies in which you've got this great kind of old-school Shaw Brothers portion yeah, yes. of the beginning and then this really kind of dramatic period Holy piece serious? in the second half yeah, of it yeah. with the, the Japanese occupation and stuff like that. So, uh, first of all, you cannot speak to this film without talking about, uh, we were, we're talking about some of the greats here with uh, uh, some of the movies we've been watching, but Donnie Yen should be up there in that conversation with the top modern guys. Who was he in this movie? No, just kidding. Oh, I'm getting looks from both Master of you. Master Lou. <laughs> Luke. Luke. So, uh, no. this, we've been watching some of the more modern ones. We've been watching The Raid. We've been watching Ang Bak and stuff like that. This one had the feel of a Shaw Brothers film done in the modern style. Yes, I, yes. Would, I would totally agree. With the speed and athleticism that of done in the modern, you know, like with, with uh, uh, Tony Ja or something like that. But very um, traditional kind of kung fu stylings. The whole challenging and everything. Yes. The whole story uh, harkened back to the Shaw Brothers yeah. type yeah. of movie. Yeah. Uh, up until, like you said, the tale of two movies. Once the occupation happened, uh, the movie turned. <laughs> yes. What I kept thinking about, what was interesting to me, uh, especially at the beginning, was I don't believe that um, there were any Westerners in China. In the 1930s, I I didn't f- see any Westerners in the movie. No, but I was thinking about the only the only way we get Chinese history is from is from these movies. Exactly, <clears throat> what China looked like in 1930, which was interesting to me because it, it was a closed. I'm a sucker for the long little... the long tunic yep. with the coat and and hat. Yes. Uh, but the town had a Western feel to it, too. It was very cosmopolitan. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure where Fushan is in, in relation to, like, because obviously Macau and Hong Kong, that's like your gateways to the West for China. And those are very, very cosmopolitan cities. And they said that Ip Man, you know, in the 60s moved to Hong Kong and yes. stuff like that. And that's where he met Bruce Lee and stuff. But um, it was very, there were, I mean, his wife, obviously, when they had money, his wife dressed like a Westerner. Yeah. Yes. Um, again, there, it was still a town of three hundred thousand. Yes. So it was a big it's town. A big yeah. Town. Yeah. I loved in the beginning where the first master comes to challenge him. I'm I'm opening a, a, a I'm opening a dojo. Uh, I'd like to challenge you to to you know we, we, we we'll just do this between ourselves and stuff like that. And it was very it was this very so oh, Master Lin, have you eaten? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. and then it was the, they've they've had their dinner. Would you very care for simple. a cigarette? You know, it was oh no no thank you, and they're very. Yeah, well, civil about it, and then it was like, oh, okay. That's where it broke away from the Shaw ones, where they just come up and challenge yeah. you. Yeah, have a whole. Like, Whoa! <laughs> hey, you! I heard your kung fu was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> wow, this looks in matches, but awesome. But um, I thought that that was interesting, and then you had the northern guys come in, and they were kind of like these roughnecks, and they yeah. beat up all the other masters, and then of course. 
you know, and, and his, his wife was, well, don't break all my things. Yeah. Yes. I just thought that was a great And every response. time they broke something, I'll pay for it. Yeah. yeah. I love when the kid came to the Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying you're going to break a bunch of things. <laughs> Rode off. Like, Brat, watch your tongue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's when he got serious. Well, no, and when he got serious is when he rolled up. I, I've never seen, like, the point of, okay, now it's now it, the shit is real. Yeah. Is when he rolled up yes, his yes. yes, and then all of a sudden it was oh, don't don't fuck with him now. Yeah. I don't know what that was just so cool to me. It was so subtle, is what it was. That was cool part. Yes, it's like okay, I like how they did him. I like how I like the character. Yes, he was a man of honor. He was obviously a rich man. Very, yeah, he was quiet, a gentleman. Quiet, you know, yeah, he was quiet a gentleman. Man, yeah. Very quiet. Uh, it was let's do this in private. We and don't he, need the world watching he, this. He, he wasn't teaching. It was just all his practice. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool that he wasn't like, oh, I have a whole school of stuff. No. Like when the Northerners came in and they thought, oh, we're going to start our own school because we beat everyone. And they went, no, you got to beat the best to open the school. And well, we did, didn't we? No. It, who's the best? It man. And they had to go up to his house. I did love the scene where they go through like the training montage. And then when they're called to fight, uh, it just all falls apart. Yeah, you don't normally see that. You don't normally see that. Yeah, you're you expecting. Uh, you're expecting the the uh, the Tong fight in uh, in Big Trouble Little China, where these guys are really yes. good and they're yeah. kicking each other's asses, and it's just like the the ruffians are beating up the the laborers yeah. despite yeah. their yeah. training yeah. type of thing. Yeah, well, I they that lose it. Everything like the was one good until the first guy gets hit. Yeah. <laughs> They're all posed and everything. And yeah. A couple blocks, maybe a punch, and then all of a sudden it got real. <laughs> falls apart, yeah. Uh, as soon as they got hit, it got real, and then they just slapped. <laughs> I thought that that was brilliantly done. Yes. Because you don't normally see that. that's how it would happen, yeah. Yeah. That is how it would happen. Yeah. Uh, and it was a funny little montage with them all practicing. Yeah, yeah. Very intently, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when he beats the guy with the with the feather. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy's got the sword. Yeah. Uh, this was, as you guys said, wait till you see it, man. And uh, it had everything plus. Oh, when it took on ten fighters. Oh, give me ten. What? <laughs> How fucking fast that man moved. Yeah, and brutal. And just yeah, and brutal, and brutal. Uh, forty-seven hits to the face yeah. before I even recorded the first one. <laughs> You know, what? <laughs> that was the thing that this, I think this had this perfect, and it, there was just enough wire foo. Yes. There was, it wasn't there was like completely bit, yeah. over yeah. the top, but it was just enough where yeah. you go, okay, this is, this is not going to be historically accurate. You right. Know? No, no. And, um, but then you get this whole, like, you know, you get the dance. But then you get that modern brutality. Yes. So he's doing these great, like, hitting, like, you know, he'd punch them twice and then block their kick with his foot, put the guy down, and then, like you said, he's punching him in the face yeah. repeatedly yeah. Oh. to keep the guy down. And it was like, oh, oh, okay, this isn't Shaw Brothers, you know? Yeah. Sledgehammer. I mean, just like a jackhammer. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that he didn't, until the last guy. The general? No. no. Uh, the last guy the, out of the ten. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because he just tore him up. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the last, last guy, guy I'm pretty head, sure he beat yeah, him to yeah, death. Yeah. I was like, okay, you killed him. Yeah. And this was, uh, he finally lost his temper. Well, and I love the fact that he actually had cuts on his hands. Yes. He actually had. 
And when he fought General, he he was starting to swell up. He he wasn't rocky. Yeah, he yeah he got hurt in the last fight, but uh, they actually did a pretty decent love story in this. Yeah, yes. as you always cite that these movies never have a good good romantic quality to them or stuff like that. And him and his wife genuinely loved yes. each other, yes. and he loved his kid. Well, when he's taking care of her when she's sick, starving, yeah, starving yeah. to yeah. death. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, normally in the films, it's it's they start it, and they never go anywhere with yeah. it, or they get killed or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. There's there's uh, so you don't ever get, but this one, yeah, you got a, a he was a family man. Yes, uh, he was a little henpecked, and when he would like put the the yam in his pocket for taking back home. Yeah, for his wiping dog. When he pulled son. it out of his yeah. pocket yeah. and set it on yeah. the edge of the mat and then went. Yeah. And then gave the rice to the man's family. Well, whole, I gotta get a job. I'm yeah. gonna go get a job. And... Well, you've never worked. Yeah. And then her at the end saying, uh, you know what, I never supported this. I always complained. I always, I never, but now. Yeah, well, uh, when you were, she wasn't sure if he was going to die or not. Yeah. So. This may be his last duel yeah. and you would deny me that. Um, there was, it, the characters grew and changed. Yeah. And you didn't. You don't normally get that. No, out of, out of, out of the, the kung, kung fu. fu you no. know, it's everybody's in it for the action. Yeah, just a relationship with his son. Where, yeah, where he didn't, didn't he's doing his kung fu, so he can't look at his picture, and later on he's playing hide and seek with him. So. Yeah, once they they lost yeah. it all, yeah. and and uh, he was no longer practicing. He... Yeah, I will say that, uh, and I and you know. A horrible period of, of Chinese history with the Japanese occupation and stuff like that. The the lieutenant to the general, yes, Sato, Sato. You could there was there was American propaganda cartoons that were more subtle than that guy. Yes, that was the evil Japanese guy with the. I mean, it, it, they would have put buck teeth on him. Yeah, I wouldn't have been he surprised. Would like he had like the round glasses, and he and they they picked the most Japanese looking guy, and they put him in. You know, they made him the most brutal out of all he of them. He looked like that poster they had during exactly, World exactly. Yeah. No, they they literally. Well, there's a reason why that was the stereotype. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also. The brutality of the Japanese army. Oh no! Legendary. In World War Two, you can't, especially in China. They were you terrible. Can't deny in China. It. Yeah, yeah, you cannot deny it. And I didn't know that there was an occupation by Japan in China in World War Two. Oh, you didn't? I did not. I didn't follow the Pacific Theater at all. Uh, I'm mean, a little bit, but uh, mostly it was the the uh, Nazi, the European. That I've always looked into the outside of um, what was Tora Tora Tora, yeah. the Japanese side of it never really interested me, um, except that you get a lot of tales of brutality. Yeah, yeah. Wow, they yeah they didn't pull any punches with this one. No, except it, that they made the general more sympathetic. He was a. He's more honorable. He yes. was like, more yeah, I think he was like more. He had he took his honor a little bit more seriously than maybe his his rank. Yes, because I think in the Japanese Imperial Army that was still like kind of like I don't want to say royal families, but still people. It wasn't like you went to you know West Point to become a general in the Japanese. It was still kind of a, an appointed position, especially yeah. if you were like the governor of a conquered province or something like that. Cinematically, I thought this was this. I mean, we're watching some really good ones when it comes to. As far as the actual movie making, yes, like the set piece, the sets, and the way it's the cin- cinematography and stuff like that, it's it's very, um, 
it, it, like I said, it was a tale, like, it was really a tale of two movies that you had this very well-lit and beautiful countryside and a beautiful little village and stuff like that, and then the Japanese come in and there's all these there's dark, barbed wire and, and gray and, 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 gray and, and, and <clears throat> these, these, um... Posters with, uh, you know, writing, you know, like these these uh, warning signs all put up with the Japanese Imperial uh, Army flag on them and stuff like that. And it, it was very well-crafted. Like, you, there was no oh, doubt yeah. of what was going on at the time, you know? Yeah, uh, you know, as far as period pieces, I would have said Ang Bak is the best. I, uh, I agree with you there. This one, this one was obviously dr- dramatized for the for entertainment's sake, but... Well, I, you know what? I hadn't picked it up, and I love the way that you, you first... The first half of the movie is a Shaw Brothers film. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an homage. When you said that, I went yes, absolutely. Done better. <laughs> yeah, with the modern aesthetic yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Like that. Well, just and the the the, uh, the dialogue was better and how you. <laughs> hey, I heard your kung fu is pretty good. <laughs> um, still beautifully crafted, beautifully filmed. Yes. Uh, some of the shot selections in this were. Wow. The scene where he's fighting the first master, and you're looking at from the guy's point of view in the tree yeah. into the window. Yeah, and all of a sudden it's just the Throwing. master going one way, yeah. and then the Ip Man would walk by, and yeah. then the master would come flying the other way, and Ip Man would walk by. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, and he, and he had a cool delivery, because he never lost... You didn't see him sweat. Very yeah. calm. And yes. Yeah, he was, he was serene. Yeah. Yes, and it was not, uh, there was nothing malicious. And then when he when he attacks those ten guys. Yeah. Uh, or, or when, when the uh, Sato starts going after his wife. Yes. Or when, or to begin with, when he's walking up with his son doing bang, bang. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You oh yeah, that's face. the yeah. switch on that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, suddenly it became very serious. Uh, and you could feel it with the kid you knew. Wow, and then you see the gun, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, oh shit. shit!" Yeah, yeah, I, it, that was visceral. So well done. Uh, when you guys said, "Wait to see this," yeah, this was. Uh, I'm almost hesitant because we're going to watch Ip Man two, uh, to watch Ip Man two, because it, this for was fear that so the sequel good. is not as yeah. good as, go. the, as the first. That yeah. it that it tarnishes uh, this because if if I were to really suggest this would probably be uh number one number two on the list uh as far as if you're going to watch a, a martial kung, arts movie. yeah a martial arts movie watch it man to bring you in because uh, the other films we've seen are not going to let you down ang bak the the three together are not going to let you down the first one was not as good as the last the next two it's like um, it was a different yeah the Godfather and Godfather Two, <laughs> you know Ang Bak Two, wow, just wow. But uh, yeah, so you're not going to be let down going further. But to to walk into it, this was yeah, you guys were correct. This was just wow. All right, well, I'm actually intrigued because I've I've never seen any of them except for the first one here. So oh, I'm I'm going to be. Do you want to add something, Brandon? I I actually have seen the second one. Okay. It is still very good. I like the second one a lot as well. Oh, okay, good. Uh, what was the first guy who died? Lin? Or Lin? Lin. Lin. Liu. 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 Yeah, the guy. The guy from the restaurant. Yeah. No, the guy from the restaurant. Oh. The guy from the restaurant. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who, um, who, who, Liu is the one really? who got shot. Yeah. Yin? Cost his Lin. own flint. No, it was it's, with a Y, I thought. I thought it was Yin or something. I thought, no, it, was I thought it was Lin. I think it's Lin. Lin. Okay. 
Uh, sure. Cost no, his own death. Brother. Young, young is his brother. Yeah, I was thinking his brother. Young. Yeah, who ended up with the with the ruffians or yes. whatever. Yeah. yeah, and that was a great scene. Yeah, when he when he finally gives him the the tin box and what's in the tin box? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was just a lot of really touching moments in this movie. My dad thought it was going to be a picture of his brother. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Oh. I knew it was something they shared, and I'm like, okay. I thought it was going to be the original picture that Ip Man's son drew. Oh. No. <laughs> oh, man. I'm having a moment here. You. Worst <laughs> episode yet. Wait, when did you become the Ruinator? Yeah. Ruinator. Ruinator. <laughs> Join the Ruinator. All right, before this gets any worse, how many deadly venoms do we rate Ip Man? Oh, uh, you know what? I, I, I'm. This is just going to be an aside, but uh, I was watching um, the untold story of women's gymnastics last night. <laughs> that's not an aside. That's a 180 degree U turn. What? Wait, 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 let's see how he joins us today. Yeah. yeah how's this going to dovetail, Brian? Yes. Uh, sure? And it was. Uh, wait it for was, it. Uh, season one, episode five, the vault. Uh, and it was the the uh, evolution of the vault in women's gymnastics, which is uh, it's the game changer in women's gymnastics. If you're good at the vault, you that's where that you want to be. Uh, but it's super dangerous. Anyway, when uh, there's a couple moments in this where when Nadia Comaneci hits the perfect ten uh, in '76 on the bars. It was the first time that somebody had gotten a perfect 10. And it was the first time that gymnasts realized they could get a perfect 10. It was like the four-minute mile. Once you hit it, then people were breaking it all the time. It was it was the unbreakable barrier until someone did. The perfect 10 was the, uh, the unbeatable score until somebody got it. And then after Nadia Komenich, it was there was just a tremendous amount of perfect 10s that were handed out. But they found out that that's as far as you can go, which is why they changed the scoring in women's gymnastics. Because once you could hit a perfect 10 and once there were so many people doing it, what's the, what's the, the, there's nowhere to go from there. And that's where sometimes I think of how many deadly venoms where you go five, five is the top, but you know what? You get an Ip Man or an Ambach 2 where you're going you know, this is then a 10 out of six. 5. This is a 10 okay. out of 5. The way I looked at it is the de- the <laughs> Deadly Venom I mean? scale is... Five Deadly Venoms is my favorite Kung Fu movie. How does this compare to my favorite Kung Fu movie? At least that's how I rate it personally. Oh, okay. And, and and since I'm being just introduced to it, I'm looking at... And you keep giving me these Five Deadly Venom movies where I'm just like, holy fuck, this was good. And then the next one, holy fuck, this was good. Yeah. You know, like I'm saying, when you when you compare uh, Ip Man to Ang Bak 2, you go, oh, these are better than any of the movies we've seen. So, yeah, it's a, it's a 7 out of 5 for me. Okay. We're, we're... Seven Deadly Venoms. <laughs> wow. Six Buddha Palms. I'm going to go off... It's nine downward-facing dogs. (laughs) That's yoga, you dummy. All right. Well, I'm going to say five deadly venoms. That was it, man. Wait for it, man, too. Let us know what you think. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All right. Well, the the latest segment uh, is we have Brian to blame for it. Yay. 
because he started watching Star Trek Brave New World. Strange New World. Strange New World. I'm sorry. That too. Worst episode ever. <laughs> and I uh, was like, oh my it. god, it's so awesome, and it's a throwback to the, the original series, and I am not a Star Trek guy outside of the original series, and I was like, oh, Brian, uh, you know, you're so... I'm like, you know what, I got a, I got an hour to kill, I'll watch the first one. My god, you son of a bitch, I got a new season, <laughs> I got a new show I gotta watch! So yes, we are uh, talking about episode one of season one. Of Strange New Worlds, uh, entitled Strange New Worlds, uh, which picks up with uh, the original, original cast from the original pilot, The Menagerie. Menagerie is the original pilot. Uh, So you've got Christopher Pike, you've got Number One, you've got Spock, and um, man, uh, and and I've been reading up on this and they basically said, uh, we wanted to do Roddenberry Star Trek episodic if he had the budget and the technology of today. And they're nailing it. I just they they nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. They gave us Uhura uh, as a cadet. Fantastic. Uh, Nurse Chapel, which I loved in the original, and she's great in this. It, it's just been uh, it's been great. <laughs> well, let's begin where we begin. So um, this is a. Uh, the very cleverly shot opening bit where they shoot everybody kind of from behind or in profile or something like that, and there's there's a UFO, there's a UFO, and I'm thinking like, is this going to be one of those throwbacks to like the '60s where you know, like I just watched the, the episode where uh, the uh, Enterprise accidentally ends up in the '60s and they have to you know go back in time or stuff like that, and then they show it and it's a bunch of it's a bunch of aliens saying, oh my god, and then the UFO is of course the Enterprise, and um. Very uh, poignant, timely. There's a faction of uh, on this particular planet that doesn't like the government and stuff like that. Uh, and they, 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 the reason they go there is because they have warped somehow just figured out warp technology. Yes. And the the warp technology uh, they're using is for a warp bomb. Yes. And you get the. Uh, How did we not come up with that? With every other bomb ever. Ah, <laughs> this one we don't go. Hey, warp wonder bomb. if they could do a warp bomb. Yeah, I'm sorry. Christopher Pike, you know, non-interference. You know, oh, the hell with that or whatever. And it's just screw the first. Well, the, the, the well, the the, the best was like the prime yeah, directive was like prime it, this is pre-prime was directive. Yeah. So they're like they're thinking about calling it the prime directive. Oh, that'll never stick. Fucking wonderful. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So you've got uh. You've got the, the the crew of the Enterprise directly interfering in the, this in this planet, which is just perfect. Yes. They had already. They got the warp drive from us, so well, of, and they had already taken already, uh, yeah. hostages. Yeah, but just the premise of the series bringing uh, first Anson Mount as Captain Pike could be my favorite captain. Yeah, uh, yeah and, I've only, and I, I've only got a couple to compare them to, but you're not as I'm not a biggest fan as of other people, but. I love that they started it out with what we already knew, which was how he dies. Yes. Um, and he learns how he dies. Uh, and so that becomes the struggle I, I, as to should he be the captain. He, it, I thought this was, it was he ends up obviously in the, the later, you know, in the original series, he ends up in the, the wheelchair mm-hmm. with yeah. the, the fate because they couldn't get the same guy to play him or right. whatever. But he learns his fate essentially. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he goes into the future in Discovery. 
and then uh, and and learns his fate. But that leaves him with the conundrum: Does he, knowing that he's going to die in ten years, which doesn't leave him a whole lot of time, sadly, because um, Kirk takes over the Enterprise pretty quickly. Yeah, they just they choose her. Well, I mean, I guess they got nine seasons they could go. Because I think it was Kirk's first year with um, where Spock takes over the Enterprise. But, uh, which I always thought was a brilliant use for an unused pilot. We This is what we know. And then, should he be the captain knowing he's not going to die for ten years, which would mean he would take chances that he normally wouldn't take, which would get other people killed. Because he doesn't know their fates. Or uh, he might hold back, thinking that he'll get other people killed. And does that mean that he couldn't be uh, he couldn't captain a starship effectively? I, and I I just thought that that was a brilliant little premise, um, which is what sucked me in. And then they started introducing characters that I was just like, oh, this is just fan service. Oh, you guys. Okay, so. You cannot have this conversation without talking about, well, you've got a third guy playing Spock. Uh-huh. Ethan Peck. Uh, grandson of the fantastic Hollywood legend Gregory Peck, one of my all-time favorites. And that that was, the, you said that, that Pike, the, the whole story of Pike hooked you. The minute they showed him, I was like, and he, he said that his first line, I was like, Okay, that's Spock. That's yeah. Spock at, at 20 years old or yep. whatever. Perfect. And I love the fact that they they deal with his relationship with T'Pring. Yes. And that and and the thing that you don't think about is, well, them, them Vulcans are some horny uh, horny oh, devils. Yeah, they are. They they. I I never I never even contemplated that Vulcans kissed. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And uh, that added a whole new wrinkle to it. You've got um, Rebecca Romaine as number one, which I thought was awesome. Yes. Yes. Uh, surprisingly. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, that was one where I was like, eh, and she's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, she nails it. And you know what I didn't remember in the Menagerie? Because I was like, well, the whole bridge is women. Uh, it was in the Menagerie. Oh, was it? Yeah. That number one was the big brunette. That was his number one. So, I mean, they, they, they're they nailing the casting. Uh, it's hard because now I've seen them, so I'm a little bit ahead. Uh, so it's hard to not talk about things that are coming up. Yeah. Uh, first episode, if you told me, if you'd have said this is an unused Roddenberry script, I would have absolutely I, I wouldn't have, believed I would, you. I would have completely, completely, used, oh yeah, of course it's a Roddenberry yes. script. Yeah, it, it just was perfect in its execution. Uh, it's It's... This may be the best Star Trek. It's it's just caught the feeling of the first one uh, without taking itself too seriously. And because it's doing that, it just fits. It just... It's so good. Keith, you're not saying a lot. Um, you guys are talking so much. Um, no, I... I... <laughs> I personally was never a big fan of the original series. Okay, oh. that's what I that's what I was got, I was getting. Well, at. no, I I am now, but as a kid, you got to right. remember, I watched this when I was like six or seven, and you had Spock, who was a guy who I mean uh, Kirk, who was just all over the place, and Spock, the boring guy, who just yes, this, yeah, whatever. 
I, I never, I, I still don't like Spock. I'm the one guy in the world that doesn't like Spock. Wow. He's, boring. he's fucking boring. Um, yeah, I always liked McCoy. And he's not on the show right now, so I'm... You know what I'm waiting? Um, I like the smart-ass guy. I wondered why. Well, um, what do you think of... Okay, so what do you think of Christopher Pike? Because he's about as a biggest smart-ass captain as I've ever I seen. I like yeah. Pike. I like Pike because I think his story is intriguing and what he's going to do. Like I said, he was going to come back to the ship because yeah. he knows he's going to die and what that could mean to people. And if he doesn't go, does the people he knows die not die? It is is it written in stone this this future? Well, and that's kind of the question uh, that they're asking. Yeah, and one of the things they're saying is you haven't made those choices, but we've seen the episode, so yeah, Pike, yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, plasma burns. Yuck. Different. Future. But he gets to uh, have not seen, he gets to die out with a hottie. Have you not seen Endgame? They have different. Timeline. This is not the multiverse. Back to the future. Had the this same is not thing. the multiverse. I'm just saying. This is just he got to see his future. And so did we. If he never left the planet, would he would he still die? If he goes back to the planet, will he still die yes. that way? How? Yes. How? Because he never it, set foot on the Enterprise again. You guys keep saying that he dies. He doesn't die. He gets horribly maimed. And, and he gets put off on the planet to die. Yeah. That's the whole point to it is he's going to die. Uh, but Spock wants him to die humanely. He wants him to die with the dignity that he feels he deserves. And so that is um, the reason they're going. Uh, one of the best episodes of the old Trek, of the original series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just, uh, and it happened early, so you get a whole different look at Spock. And, and uh, you know, Spock is the boring guy, but I think Ethan Peck has played him Oddly, with a, with a great deal of emotion, he's put more humanity. Yes, in him. there's there's this underlying. He's struggling with his human side. Exactly. No, and, yeah. and I think he's really bringing it across that he's struggling with his. Well, human Well, and being surrounded by humans, it would it would cause you to do that. I would say. Yeah, and uh, and Nurse Chapel Especially has been kind of pushing him that way. Uh, don't, get to, yeah, don't get too far ahead. I know. But she had a crush on him in the original series, and that's what I I thought that was. I thought that, that was, was good. Uh, it's it's carries through. They're giving us, you know, if you're going to tell me that we wanted to do the original series in Roddenberry's vision, um, today they've got the right actors. They've casted it brilliantly. They've given fan service to everyone. Uh, if you're an old Trek fan, uh, they found the right people. Even if you're not, you'll like it. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, this is the Star Trek that gives you the stories you want to see that are completely Star Trek without taking itself so seriously. Yeah, yeah. Because all of them, Enterprise got dark. Voyager got dark. Uh, Deep Space Nine, Christ, started dark and just kept going. <laughs> you know, you, this is the one that um, even Next Generation got dark. With the whole Borg and Locutus and but this one has started out light and has kept it that way. You can so far this has just been a great introduction to the series. I disagree. It starts out dark. It's a, it's him seeing his death. How much darker can he start? Or him getting burned? See, I haven't seen Discovery. You said that happened on Discovery. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as they announced that that was part of the original universe, I went. I'm out. 
Yeah, and and I'm not. Uh, I've got to watch. I still haven't watched season two. But as soon as I put it in the J.J. Abrams universe, I go, okay, yeah, this work, makes sense. Yeah, it works in that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I just Kelvin, keep it there. Kelvin universe. The Kelvin universe. Anyway, so Irregardless, uh, this is this has been this was a great introduction. It made me want to watch the next episode. It did for me as well. Uh, my second hook on this was when they introduced the security officer, and it is Laan Noonan Singh, and yes. she even talks about well being the descendant of a you know of a, of a genocidal maniac doesn't help. You know, and yes. I'm like, how much cooler can you make this? Yes. It, uh, I, yeah, my mind was blown, Brian. I blame you. And I'm going to throw out, even though they don't have McCoy, I really like this Doctor. Well, he was in the original series, wasn't he? The Black Doctor? I thought he was in a couple episodes. I don't remember. Uh, okay. I might be wrong. I thought he I, was. No. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. I thought the name sounded familiar. No. I, okay. Not that I... But I could be wrong. Okay. I mean, I've Maybe only watched the original series a couple of times. All right, so See, we are. Brian and I are are loving this one. Keith, this is not you not know, being I'm a Star Trek. Like you like it a lot. Yeah, I, it's possibly my favorite Star Trek. I mean, uh, I've only watched the first few episodes, so from the first episode, it's a great start. Yeah, this was a great introduction. All right, great introduction. So we've got what ten more to go on this one. Yes. All right, stick with us. Let us know what you think. The three old geeks are now on YouTube. Check us out there, and don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. If you can't find us, stop by our Facebook page to get a link. And while you're there, drop us a line and let us know what you think of the podcast. Tune in next week, same geek time, on all your favorite apps for all new, all different material. Thanks a lot for listening, and hey, keep on geeking on.